Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week, my producer Miranda and I explore the top stories making waves in the news, and some that are just plain interesting. We connect you with the journalists and people who know the story, and bring you news without the noise, so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, we will be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. There was tons of political news this week. The other one is the political crisis in Virginia. The top three elected officials, all Democrats, are facing scandals. Governor Ralph Northam is under pressure to resign after a picture serviced of him wearing blackface. The second in line, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax is facing allegations of sexual assault. And the third in line, Attorney General Mark Herring has admitted that he also once wore blackface in the 80s. It's just amazing that the top three officials are all embroiled in scandals. Steph Kite, reporter for Axios, joined us to break it all down. It's been a wild week for Virginia's government leadership, for sure. And as as you mentioned, Governor Ralph Northam, there was a photo that was reported on that, that came up earlier this week that showed someone in blackface and someone in a Ku Klux Klan costume on his page of his medical a school yearbook, which of course raised questions whether one of those people was Northam himself. And at first he admitted that it was him, but then later denied that either of those were him, but did admit that at one point he did wear blackface. And so he was embroiled in this scandal and we saw many people calling for him to step down because of this scandal. And then the lieutenant governor, who would have been the first in line if Northam does step down. Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax then faces sexual assault allegations from a woman who claimed that he sexually assaulted her back in 2004. She wrote an explicit account of what happened, saying that they were at first consensually kissing, but then that quickly turned into sexual assault. And then, so after Justin Fairfax, the next in line for the governorship after that would have been Attorney General Mark Herring, who came forward and admitted to wearing blackface in college himself. And he's actually called for Northam to resign, but he said that further discussions should be had about his own circumstances and and the time that he wore blackface as well. So this then and interestingly, leaves um, House of Delegates Majority Leader Kirk Cox as the next in line after those three, if all three are disqualified from the governorship and step down, it would be Kirk Cox, who's a Republican, who would be next in line for the governorship of Virginia, which is interesting because he won the speakership in a drawing out of the hat. So it's just <laughs> been a lot going on right. this past few days. There's so much, and they've never gone through this before. Before. There's no governor that's ever not served their full term in Virginia. So all sorts of mm-hmm. crazy things could happen as a result of this. Let's break them down a little bit further. So Ralph Northam's yearbook comes out. The picture itself, um, he's in blackface. If that's who he is, he's denying it now, obviously. It's mm-hmm. hard to tell from the printout of the pictures, but everybody knows that type of yearbook picture. It's something usually pictures you would submit personally because this is your own personal page. And it has a couple other pictures, him and his car, and then this picture in question. He had a press conference that was all crazy as 
well. He said he did wear blackface one time for a Michael mm-hmm. Jackson uh, dance contest. And he's at this press conference he's talking about. And he said he won the contest because he learned how to moonwalk. <laughs> and a reporter asked him, do you still know how to moonwalk? And oh. his wife chimes in and says, this isn't suitable for, for this press conference like that. So he kind of glossed over it, but he wanted to even answer that. So he's mm-hmm. just all over the place. It's hard to really figure out what's going on there. And he's resisting calls to resign everywhere. Top leadership, national mm-hmm. leaders, everybody there in the Virginia House all want him to resign. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on him to resign. I think this is a really interesting moment to see whether these allegations and clear evidence of of racism and even the Me Too movement really do carry a weight that maybe we haven't seen in the past. I think that's something that's really important to watch, where we've seen so much progress in these areas and seeing the Me Too movement over the past two years and then addressing these issues of racism and blackface and this becoming a more prominent issue that's discussed. Will there be repercussions at this level, I think, is a really important question that we're all waiting to see get answered. For the lieutenant governor and the attorney general, calls for them to resign really haven't come through in full force yet. The lieutenant mm-hmm. governor says he he was with the woman. It was consensual. And uh, she alleges that it did start out consensually kissing and then it went south from there. And she says she can't imagine that her distress during that encounter, why he would think it was consensual. The Washington Post did pick up the story at some point, but they never ran it in the newspaper because they couldn't find any corroborating evidence with regards to that. It's a very interesting situation that we've seen over and over again, where we're walking this line between believing women and believing survivors who have these very traumatic experiences that they have bravely come forward to share. But there are issues with the corroboration and the fact that the Washington Post did not run the story originally does bring up some questions. But there are some things about the story that do line up. The fact that both of them at least agree that it started consensually, but then, of course, Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax claims that it, it was never not consensual, that, that the encounter was completely with consent, whereas, of course, the woman is accusing him of really abusing her in, in a way that was very traumatic to her. And so we're going to have to see how this storyline plays out and whether there are other corroborating stories when it comes to Justin Fairfax. The last question I have about this has to do with the attorney general when the news about the governor came out he was one of the people that were calling on him to resign then he comes out and says well i i in the 80s did blackface because we went to a party and we all dressed up like rappers that we liked at the time the only question i have is did he bring this to the forefront or did somebody else surface this because now that he's been talking about he said "I, i knew this would come out at some point but did he bring this out just to be forthright or did somebody else leak this? At this point, it was it was him who came forward and said, this is something that did happen once in my past. Whether someone was planning to write a story and gave him a heads up, we're unsure of at the moment, but he has admitted. And I think it'll be interesting to see whether the fact that he was forthright does him any favors over Northam, who has admitted and then denied and changed the story. It'll be interesting to see whether the response to these accusations and these, the use of blackface changes the perceptions in the public. Steph Kite, reporter for Axios, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Just a quick update after a conversation with Steph Kite on the situation in Virginia. The governor, Ralph Northam, is trying to move forward. He's still resisting the calls to resign. A lot of people do want him to step down just for how hurt they are in that state with all that's going on right now. Trying to move forward, the governor invited black leaders into a meeting in his office. They spent an hour together talking about the situation and what was going on. 
one of the attendees, his name is Dr. Charles Steele. He's the president of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. He said that the fact that he invited him says a lot to him and that he was open to receiving him and that he wanted to talk about moving forward. Dr. Steele has called for the resignation of Governor Northam, and he said that even after the meeting, he is not going to rescind that call for resignation. It just seems to be that things are progressing slowly and nobody knows what the governor is going to do at this moment. My favorite story of the week is so crazy. It's the story about 23-year-old Tommy Masters. She moved to California from Indiana to make it big in the cannabis industry. The thing that happened to her next, however, was tragic and still remains unresolved. She met a hacker who introduced her to this dark world of digital manipulation and fear. It led to her death. She was found floating in a box in a river in the Philippines. Now, the two men that are suspected in her death, it's her hacker boyfriend, another hacker who started the UG Nazi hacktivist group. They're due in court soon, so we'll maybe find out some more details of this story. For more on this, though, we spoke to Davy Alba. She's a reporter for BuzzFeed News. And we start off by exploring who Tommy Masters was. Tommy Masters had grown up in Indiana and had moved to California to try to strike it big in the cannabis industry. And a lot of people want to be around weed when they work in dispensaries, things like that. But she actually was pretty ambitious. She wanted to help people. It had helped her pot, had helped her gain weight, had helped her with anxiety. And so she wanted to do the same for other people. People And she would spend a lot of time talking to her customers, trying to get a sense of what exactly they were trying to address. And that was her inspiration for being in this business. Yeah, by all accounts, um, she was ambitious uh-huh. and, and really wanted to succeed in the industry. Uh-huh. And, and even in uh-huh. the dispensary where she was working, she made friends with the other people there, the owner. And, uh-huh. and they all became very good friends and really cared for her. She was very close with her boss, who is one of our sources, and gave us the account of how she met TJ Woody. He was as close to her as almost like family. She had dated his younger brother, and they had moved in together, but it didn't work out. This is Sean Masters, by the way, who was her boss at this dispensary in California. And after they broke up, because she had chosen to stay in California and keep pursuing her career and she loved her life there, you know, she ended up Snapchatting with someone who claimed to be her favorite artist. Mac Miller. Yeah. I mean, right away, obviously, uh, celebrities and stars, they have their own private accounts and everything, but Mm -hmm. you always got to meet these things with a level of skepticism of like, All of a sudden, right. Mac Miller is Snapchatting me out of nowhere. She goes into this whole thing. I want to meet. The account is saying, let's meet. Mm-hmm. Seems to be legit, although there's never been any pictures of Mac Miller's face yep. on there. But but she's believing it. And then, you know, she's in town and she wants to make something of herself. And so she wants to go for it. Come to find out that when she finally goes to meet Mac Miller through this Snapchat contact, it's not him. I think yeah. We could all kind of tell that it, that's what, what it was going to be. It was actually TJ Woody. Let's take a step back real quick and describe who TJ Woody is now. TJ Woody is a young hacker. He had been embroiled in this world from when he was a very young man, a young boy, really. And there was actually a bust on him and his friends off credit card stealing operation. But he was a minor at the time, so it's unclear whether he actually went to juvenile detention. So he had been wrapped up in this world for a long time and had this 
older friend named Mirazam, who, by all accounts, was able to manipulate him, where he was quite brash and bold in the internet world. In real life, he was really excruciatingly shy. And so when Tommy met him at the Dave and Buster's in Hollywood, actually, he had asked Eric Taylor, who was another hacker in their circle, to accompany him and to, you know, sort of ease the introduction into the situation, which was catfishing. Right. He had lied to Tommy. TJ Woody was, like you said, just this kind of unassuming guy, but he had been wrapped up in this hacking group for a long time. It was this other guy, Mir Islam, who even recruited him when he was, I think, 13 years old. And they became part of this group, the Underground Nazi Hacktivist Group, UG Nazi Mm -hmm. for short. I mean, they were all very big in the news in the early 2010s. They were swatting a bunch of people. They were stealing thousands of credit card numbers. They were publishing the personal information of dozens of people from Donald Trump to Jay-Z. So I remember hearing about this hacking group back in the day. Mm -hmm. And it seems that this guy, Mir Islam, I don't know if he was the original founder of the group. But he was the one recruiting people, and uh, he himself has a shady history. He went to jail over the course of seven years in and out for a lot of this hacker stuff, stealing credit cards, fake identity things. And so these are three main players. Going back to it, Tommy Masters met TJ Woody at the Dave & Buster's. Even Uh though he was catfishing her, they kind of hit it off. And she said she she had a fun date and they became boyfriend and girlfriend. And then this is where things really started to get weird because he's a hacker. He this is what he does. He's Mm. on the Internet all the time doing shady things. And she got Mm. brought into this world unassumingly. What happened? They became boyfriend and girlfriend. And she had always been a really reliable employee at this dispensary, but she started missing work and one day turned into weeks and then she stopped responding to her phone. Her boss was really annoyed with her from the work standpoint, but they were also really good friends and he was worried about her. He had always been suspicious of this man who had catfished her and lied to her and how she might end up actually wanting to be in a relationship with him. So TJ Woody had already been in this sort of precarious world, and he had met Mirazan when they were much younger. Mir had been in jail for about seven years, and in the meantime, he had reformed himself from that early bust on those stolen credit card numbers. He had reformed himself and tried to make himself into a kind of social media influencer and had this Bitcoin wallet that had hundreds of thousands of dollars that he would show to everyone who he met. One day, he and his girlfriend, Tommy, were just at where they were living with a friend, and there was a robbery. He was essentially held up. His stuff was rifled through, and they were both really scared by that incident. They didn't really know who it was, but suspected that it was someone who had seen the thousands of dollars in his Bitcoin wallet. And Tommy ended up going to uh, someone she knew connected to the dispensary who uh, supposedly had criminal connections and asked for a gun that didn't have any serial numbers. And her boss was really shocked to hear that that had happened. Soon after, they left the country to go to the Philippines and hide away from whoever had broken into the apartment they were living in. Let's fast forward, wind the story a little bit. Tommy Masters' body ended up being found 
in a box in a, a mm-hmm. river in the Philippines. They mm-hmm. fled over there to get away from it all. It was supposed to be kind of a vacation for them just to reset. And all the details get really murky from there. Yeah. TJ Woody was there with Mir Islam. They are the two that are purportedly loaded the box into a rideshare van, stopped by the yeah. river, dumped the box out, claiming it was just mm-hmm. garbage. Very soon after that, like the next day, they were both caught and arrested. You guys there at BuzzFeed had a chance to speak to both TJ Woody and Mir Islam with jailhouse interviews. What happened and what did they say? What were their defenses? Troy Woody had followed Mir Islam, who was in the Philippines for supposedly a business, but we don't really know for sure. Other accounts say they were sort of just partying while they were there. He and his girlfriend, Tommy, started having these explosive fights. She ended up killed, and as you said, her body was put into a box and dumped in the Pasig River in the Philippines. We were able to catch up with TJ and Mir at the Mandaluyong City Jail, and both of them had stories that were really preposterous and pointed the finger at each other. Woody said that he was at the mall when his girlfriend had been killed, but it wasn't clear how he knew that she had been killed, and he said he didn't know what he was loading into the rideshare car. He just knew that he loaded it onto the vehicle and dumped it out, and it must have been the other person who uh, was carrying the box who had anything to do with the murder, and the other person was Mir Islam. Right away, mm-hmm. that's a thin defense. So the next person, Mir Islam, he's also a person of attention on this. He said that he had known TJ for many years, and TJ had asked him to come to his apartment to help him move. The story was that his girlfriend had suddenly moved to Amsterdam, and he needed to clear out of this Airbnb that he had been renting. So when he showed up, there was the box that he was supposedly filling with quote-unquote garbage, and TJ asked him to wait outside while he finished packing, and afterwards, he asked for help dumping the box into the river, the supposed garbage, and pointed the finger back at his friend. But weirdly, while they were in jail together, the officers that we spoke with at the Mandalorian City Jail also said that they heard laughing and chatting between the two of them in their shared cell. And so it's really kind of a mysterious relationship. All of this happened just this past December around Christmas time. In the end, there was no blood found on Tommy Master's body and there was no weird wounds there. They do think that she died of asphyxiation, possibly by plastic or a pillow. Those things are still unclear. TJ Woody and Mir Islam are in jail right now. And I think, I guess they're still awaiting trial. End this all for us. Where are we at? Nobody knows truly what happened to Tommy Masters. These two guys are in jail awaiting trial right now. In so many ways, it's not really a satisfying ending to the story. Tommy, there was a six-week delay in bringing her ashes back home to her parents because of the government shutdown. These two men are sitting in jail in the Philippines waiting for trial. The arraignment is actually next week. And we'll see whether they plead guilty or innocent to this crime. And in the absence of Tommy's ashes, there were two ceremonies held in her honor, one at the dispensary she worked at and one in Indiana. And the people were just exchanging stories about her life and how she had helped them in her lifetime and this weird juxtaposition of 
all of these stories are so sad and so true. While she had been conned into this yeah. world of lies and deceit and followed it all the way to the Philippines. Thank you very much for joining us. Davy Alba, Senior Technology Reporter for BuzzFeed News. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it for us this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition.